Across this country, some people are investigated by authorities for simply trying to do their job. It's something journalists and whistleblowers have had to contend with for years. Uh, When probing people or issues, some would prefer to keep in the dark. Yesterday, the Attorney-General held a meeting with key media figures on how to better protect journalists and their sources. And Mark Dreyfus joins me now. He's the Attorney-General. Welcome to the program. Morning, Patricia. Good to be with you. There are a whole range of issues on the table here. Privacy laws, whistleblower protections, defamation warrants, uh, such as those that were used to raid the ABC and the home of journalist Annika Smethurst in 2019. How are you going to address these issues? I think it's good that you're reminding people about what happened in 2019, where we had uh, search warrants executed on the offices of the ABC and the home of an Australian journalist. And it prompted uh, a national outcry. And it also prompted a couple of parliamentary inquiries, uh, because I think most Australians agree that journalists should never face the prospect of being charged just for doing their jobs. I think there's agreement across the parliament and across the community about that and that improved protections are overdue. Um, Sadly, like so much else about the former government, uh, the two parliamentary inquiries reported and nothing happened. Uh, There were bipartisan recommendations for change. So my purpose in having this uh, media roundtable yesterday with journalists and media organisations coming to Parliament House was to restart a process of reform As you said, there's a lot of different areas, but um, chief among them is getting a better consideration of public interest on warrant issuing. You mentioned all those recommendations, the two committees, the fact that the government did accept those recommendations but, but didn't ultimately act. You've said you will. So when will we see the changes? Uh, This is the start of a process. Um, I've invited journalists and media organisations to uh, put forward further thoughts. It was the start of that conversation yesterday, uh, but I'm hopeful of doing, of of moving on uh, the warrants matter uh, later in this year. And of course, we're underway with uh, a reform of of the Privacy Act. We're underway with a review of secrecy offences. Um, all of these things have got implications for journalists and uh, free media in Australia. Do you think a media, media groups, as you as you know, are arguing they should be allowed to contest warrants before authorities can carry out a raid? Do you think that they should be allowed to? Well, that's not where the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security landed. It, it opted for, on a bipartisan basis, a different approach to making sure that the public interest that undoubtedly there is in freedom of the press is protected. They opted for a different route of having public interest advocates involved in the process of issuing warrants. And of course, as you've just pointed out, there's media organisations that are suggesting a a different process of what's called contested warrants Mm -hmm. should be considered. Uh, That's ahead of us, considering uh, where we're going to land on this. I'm making the point though that our starting point is this report by the Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence but, and Security from 2020. But you will consider the media's uh, call I'll, for that? I'll, cons- I'll consider any ideas that land us in the desk where we wish to be with proper consideration of protecting the public interest and protecting journalists uh, who are just doing their jobs 
Um, that's our objective. Uh, there's clearly, if you look at the United States or you look at the United Kingdom, different ways of achieving that objective. There are still also concerns, in fact, major concerns around protections for whistleblowers. What more will you do to protect whistleblowers? Uh, we've got a first bill in the parliament now, which I regard as the first stage of reform of the Public Interest Disclosure Act, which, of course, um, our last Labor government with Mayor's Attorney General brought to the parliament in 2013. When I did that, I provided for a statutory review to take place. Uh, that is a compulsory review. The former government did carry out that review. It reported in 2016, and again, uh, same story from the former government, nothing happened. Uh, I've dusted off that report by an eminent Australian public servant, Philip Moss, and some of his recommendations form the basis of this first bill that's in the parliament now, with a parliamentary committee reporting on the 10th of March. I've said that I wanted to do this first stage of reform ahead of the National Anti-Corruption Commission coming into operation around the middle of this year. And I've also said that there's going to be a second stage, uh, a, a wider set of reforms to our whistleblower protection scheme um, to make sure that it's fit for purpose, that it serves the purpose of people feeling protected when they report on wrongdoing. Last year, you dropped that prosecution of, of whistleblower Bernard Collery, but you, you haven't done so for David McBride, who's been prosecuted for allegedly leaking top secret defence information to the ABC, or Richard Boyle, who's revealed unethical debt recovery practices within the ATO, the Australian Tax Office. Will you drop those cases? Uh, I'm not going to comment on either of those cases, which are right now before the court, and in particularly in the case of Mr Boyle, he has relied on the Public Interest Disclosure Act as a defence. There was a preliminary hearing on that very point uh, by the court in Adelaide and we are awaiting the judgment of the court in Adelaide on whether or not he is entitled to the protections that already exist. But I won't comment further on either of, on either of those cases. If you're just tuning in, this is Radio National Breakfast and we're speaking with the Attorney General, Mark Dreyfus. I just want to change the topic to talk about The Voice uh, referendum, which is due later this year. Next month, the government will put the Referendum Machineries Act to a vote. That's the law that determines how the referendum will happen. You've been negotiating with the opposition to pass it. You've already agreed to fund information pamphlets. What else are you looking to offer the coalition for their support? Uh, those discussions are continuing and we want there to be, um, as far as possible, agreement across the parliament on how the referendum is to be conducted. I think there is already agreement that we need to modernise the really antiquated processes that apply to referendums currently. Most of it comes from an act that passed in 1912. Uh, we need to modernise it to make sure that this referendum that's going to be conducted in the second half of this year looks like, as far as possible, a general election. And uh, there have been, so far, cooperative discussions with the opposition uh, the much more important bill, of course, is the Constitution Alteration Bill, which is going to follow in late March, and that will contain the words to change our Constitution. But the process is on track, and um, we are, as all of my colleagues, the Prime Minister, Linda Burney, have kept saying, wanting this to be an inclusive, cooperative process which involves the whole Parliament. You mentioned the second bill with the wording and, and obviously that's going to be a key moment for the parliament. Should The Voice be able to provide advice to the executive government? 
Oh, those are the words that were included in the the draft that the Prime Minister laid out in the historic speech that he gave at Gama on the 30th of July. And uh, that's the intention presently that the voice, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice that was called for by the Uluru Statement from the Heart back in 2017, be able to speak to the Parliament and to the Executive. So you say that was the intention. There are some constitutional lawyers, some, because uh, it is contested, that, that would like that removed. Do you think it needs to stay in? Well, that's a discussion that we will continue to have. Uh, I do What's think your view should... as the Attorney-General? No, no, I, I'm convinced that the voice will be effective if, as a constitutional requirement, it is able to make representations to the parliament and to the executive. But I also understand that when we introduce the Constitution Alteration Bill, uh, it will go to a parliamentary committee, there will be public submissions as is appropriate, and uh, we'll come to final wording when the bill is debated in both houses of the Australian parliament, which will be a process finalised in probably in, in June. Yeah, so, you're, uh, you're right, there will be a is, process, but your view yes. is that, that it, I mean, the the people behind the Uluru Statement, as you know, want executive in there because they want to have a voice to the people making decisions, the, the cabinet, the, the decision makers, not just the parliament. Do you, under, do you think that that's kind of a, a key word to provide strength to this voice? I've made the point that those are the words that were included in the Prime Minister's draft provisions. Uh, those are the words uh, that we are currently considering and uh, they're remarkably simple words. They start with, in recognition of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as the first peoples of Australia, and go on to say there shall be a body to be called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, Torres Strait Islander voice. And then it says the voice may make representations to Parliament and the Executive Government on matters relating to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And the final words are that the Parliament is to make laws about this. Couldn't be simpler. That was the Prime Minister's purpose in his speech at Gama, to show Australians just what a simple process this is. So, Attorney General, let me put this to you. One of the warnings about having that word in from some, not all, to be clear, but is that it will lead to you know, court court cases and litigation. What's your response to that? Uh, people have been litigating questions about our constitution since Federation. And th- the fact that it's possible to point to um, possible constitutional litigation, I don't think should deter anyone. Uh, we need to make sure that it's understood that this is a principle to be inserted in our constitution. Uh, the uh, structures are left to the parliament uh, to make laws about, and that will happen after the successful referendum at the end of this year. Attorney General, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks very much for having me, Patricia. That's the Attorney General, Mark Dreyfus, and you're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.